Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, and be in good health even as thy soul prospers. Would you bow your heads with me for a word of prayer? Father, I bless you today. I thank you for this honor to stand before this great congregation to share the word. And Lord, I celebrate with these that have completed such a significant milestone in their lives. This is a word, Lord, that I believe you have birthed within me for this moment, for this time. I'm asking for the implications and the ramifications of this message to lodge deep within the heart of every young person in this room, every young adult in this room, every person, everyone that's listening, watching. Would you minister this word to them in a special way? We ask these things and we believe for these things in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. The title of this message is Go West, Young Man. Go West, Young Woman. The year was 1848. The location was Sacramento, California. The population of Sacramento was approximately 1,000 people. In that location, there was a discovery of gold nuggets in the Sacramento Valley. As a result of that discovery, this would open up a floodgate, an influx of population. The next four years between 1848 and 1852, there would be what would become known as the gold rush. In 1849, tens of thousands of people from all over the country, including the East Coast, left for Sacramento. These people would become known as the 49ers due to the year. Men from the East borrowed money, mortgaged their property to go from East Coast to West Coast for the, quote, gold rush. Women were left behind to run farms and businesses and care for children alone while their husbands went West to strike it rich. Whatever it takes <clears throat> to get to that gold rush was the mindset. No deterrent, no detractor, no dissuaders. Going west. In fact, going west would become an infamous quote out of this season in history. About 17 years later on July 13, 1865, there was a newspaper editor named Horace Greeley, and he wrote this in the New York Daily Tribune. Washington is not a place to live in. The rents are high. The food is bad. 
The dust is disgusting, and the morals are deplorable. <laughs> Go west, young man. Go west and grow up with the country. Now, Ron and Chrissy, don't fret. I'm not telling Jaden to move west. Dean and Gina, don't be hunting me down. I am not advocating Luke to move to California. But what I am saying to these two graduates and to everyone in this room that is watching this is go after everything God has for you. Don't allow detractors. Don't allow deterrence. And don't allow anyone to dissuade you from getting everything that your heavenly Father wants for you to have. You see, in the Bible, there was a man named Jacob. And with four different women, he fathered 12 sons. These 12 sons would turn into 12 tribes known as the 12 tribes that would comprise the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. It was a powerful nation, not because they had any strength in and of themselves, but because they were favored of God. They had God's miraculous protection, God's miraculous provision. So favored these people were that God had chosen a special land known as Canaan, which geographically was west of the Jordan River for the people of God to possess. In fact and in reality, it was the promised land. It was called Canaan. In Canaan, it was a land you would fly, find flowing with milk and honey. In Canaan, you would find a lush land, a paradise for the chosen people of God. In Canaan, you would find uh, abundance and bounty. And God had a people, 12 tribes, the chosen nation of God, came from the east after traveling years in the wilderness. And they came to the boundary to the west. It was the boundary to the promised land. With a commission that came from the Lord. And the commission was this. Go west, my people, into the land I have chosen to give you for an inheritance. Now please understand, west was where the favor of God was. West was where the presence of God would ultimately end up being. West is where the blessings of God would flow abundantly over the people of God. The problem is, if the, any of the people chose to stay east of the Jordan River, or to stop at the border, which was the Jordan River, it, that would mean they were, they were settling. They were settling for second best. They were settling short of God's bounty. They were settling short of God's promise. They were settling short of God's covenant relationship. In fact, they were settling short of God's protection. I want to say this. I wanted to make it a point of emphasis today. I even have it so that it comes up on the screen. You cannot afford to settle east when God has called you to go west. You cannot afford to settle when God has so much more for you. As I said, there were 12 tribes. 
If you're a student of scripture at all in the Old Testament, you know that out of those 12 tribes, two and a half tribes, their names were Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh. They would come to Moses in Numbers chapter 32 and verse 5. And this is what their request was. They said to Moses, Moses, give us this land east of the Jordan for a possession. And bring us not over Jordan. Two and a half tribes of the twelve did not want to go west. They did not want to finish the divine assigned God-given journey. But wanted to settle east of the Jordan River. Now don't get me wrong, it was, it, was, it was plenteous land. It was no doubt lush land. These tribes were loaded down with a tremendous amount of, of cattle. And the land east of the Jordan was, was greatly suited for pasturing flocks, large flocks of cattle. And the Bible says they had a great multitude of cattle. Hence their request, we have found land east of the Jordan. So don't bring us over into west of the Jordan because we have found pasture land here. Well, let me tell you, I don't know if they were prepared for Moses' response. Moses' response to them was brutal. It was twofold. The first thing he said to them in Numbers 32 and 14, he said, you are an increase of sinful men. In the NIV, I looked that up, and it says he called them a brood of sinners. I'm thinking, boy, that's a strong response. All they're asking is not to go over with the rest of the nation. They were just going to stay this side of the, of the Jordan River. And, but, but then when you begin to understand, you realize that Moses had already been through one terrible experience because he had sent 12 spies into Canaan, and 10 came back with a negative report and those 10 leavened or poisoned all of the rest of the nation and because of their bad report and because of the people's unbelief they spent 40 more years wandering around in the wilderness and so here when these two and a half tribes come to Moses and they say hey we want to stay east of the Jordan we don't want to go west with the rest of the nation it seems to Moses implies that their unwillingness to cross over that they'll run the risk of not only being judged from God, but the whole nation may be judged from God because of their disobedience and because of past experiences. All because, I'm going somewhere, all because they wanted to settle. Settling east instead of going west. Quitting at the border of inheritance. The second thing Moses said to the two and a half tribes, he said, should you not go and fight with the rest of the nation? Should you not discourage the hearts of all of the rest of your brothers? We have enemies we have to defeat. We need all hands on deck. We need all hands to a sword. And so the two and a half tribes no doubt felt rebuked but they looked at Moses and began to negotiate and this is what they said. I tell you what we'll do. We'll leave our wives and our children to tend the land and to get home set up and we, the men, will go over and fight with the 
other nine and a half tribes. And we will go west of the Jordan. And we will go west to fight in the promised land. And to gain, secure the property for the people of God. And then we will come back and we will settle east of the Jordan. Did you know if you studied, it would be eight solid years before, as they went over to fight with the rest of the nation, before they would be able to return back east. Now I want you to get this. When they returned back east, eight years later, some problems began to unfold. Some problems began to develop. Let me tell you what happened after they had fought and after the rest of the nation had gotten their promised land. These two and a half tribes says, okay, everything's at peace now. It's time to return home. And so they, as soon as they got on the east side of the Jordan River, you know what they did? They built a massive altar. An altar that was so big, you find it in Joshua 22 and verse 10. They found it so big, they built it so big that the nations, the nine and a half tribes could see the altar west. They could see the altar that those had built east of the Jordan River. Well, the first thought that came to their mind was they have turned to idolatry. They are building a massive altar. They've gone back east. They've forsaken us and they've built an altar for idols and they're no longer worshiping Jehovah God. Well, let me tell you, the nine and a half tribes were some kind of upset. They got wound up. The armed men got ready and just about the time that they were about to go and have a civil war with their own brothers, uh, they sent some of the leaders, a delegation. The delegation shows up and said, what are y'all doing with this big altar that you've built? Are you building it for idols? For if you are, we're getting ready to have a major problem. There are nine and a half tribes that are coming behind us that are ready to take on you two and a half tribes and ready to destroy and annihilate you. And, and, and they said, no, 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 no. No, we're not trying to build altars unto idols. Uh, this, is, this is so that, that you will know and we will know that we will always serve Jehovah God. As a matter of fact, you may not believe this, but they named that altar. They named the altar Ed. Ed. How many times have I wanted to take some people by the nap of the neck and take them to the altar? Now I have a name for the altar. If I ever call you out in church sometime and say, hey, you need to go see Ed. You'll know what I'm saying, right? You need to go to the altar. You need to go down and have an encounter with God at the altar named Ed. They named the altar Ed, E-D. Simple as that. It was so serious, though. That the misunderstanding almost led to a civil war between the two and a half tribes east and the nine and a half tribes west. And I've come by to tell someone this morning that this is what happens when you settle for an inheritance that is east and that is less rather than crossing your river Jordan that has been opened by the hand of God to the place of destiny that he has chosen for each and every one of you. You say, oh, there's no way that we would settle east like those two and a half tribes. But how many, how many settle for the career that is not for them? They settled east for West. How many settled for the spouse that they knew was not for them? They went East instead, or they went back East in lieu of the West. How many have settled for ministry that is not for them? They went East instead of going West. How many have settled? How many have walked this journey? If I pass this microphone around today, there would be believers, seasoned saints sitting in this room that could tell you about some of the 
regrets and the choices that they made over the course of their life because they didn't go after everything God had for them. They settled for second best when God had something greater in store for them. Holy Ghost, help me preach today. There is a God divine ordained plan for everyone in this room. God says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you and to give you an expected end. But it takes some believers. It takes some young people. It takes some college kids. It takes some children. It takes some adults. It takes all of us saying, you know what? I refuse to settle for second best. I refuse to settle for less than what God is wanting to bless me with. I'm determined. I'm going to go west. I'm not going to settle east in Jesus' name. Well, praise the Lord. We think how ridiculous. Watch this. How ridiculous that they would want to settle east when God opened the river and gave them the ability to walk across on dry ground going west. Anybody with me this morning? Wouldn't that tell you something? Don't stop short of God's very best for you. Sometimes what's missing from the word of God can speak volumes. I did not read this week where God opened the river back up for the men to go back east. I didn't read that. I read where he only opened the river. I'm, I'm preaching better, y'all shouting. I read where he, he only opened the river for them to travel west to the plan God had for his people. You say, we, we wouldn't do that. But how often has God performed an unmistakable miracle, opens a Jordan in our lives, and yet we still want what we want? Let me just preach to some young people. In fact, as a matter of fact, Alex, open up. I don't know if them guys can hear me or not. I appreciate our media team and our sound team. But ask them guys to step out of that room for a minute. I want to say to everybody in the room. They can just stand right there in front of the booth just for a few moments. The cameras are not going to explode. It'll be all right. I want to say this to everyone in this room. I want everyone to hear this. As simplistic as it sounds, the place of the greatest favor is in the center of God's will. The place of greatest favor in your life is in the center of God's will. There are too my God help me. There are too many believers that want to see the will of God come to pass on the earth, but they don't want to see the will of God come to pass in their life. Too many want to see God intervene, even in the climate that we find ourselves in. But how many have said, 
I don't want just God's will for the earth. I want God's will for me. Too many say we want God's will for the earth, but we want my will for me, and we want God to bless my will for me. This is my plan. God, I want you to bless it. But I'm standing square, uh, flat-footed and square-shouldered to look at every person in this room and say to you again, the place of the greatest favor is in the center of God's will. And instead of saying, God, this is the plan I'm putting together and I need you to bless it, why don't you just step back and say, you know what? I'm not moving again until I know what the plan of God is. I'm not asking God to plan. bless my desires. I want to be part of what God is doing. For when I'm part of what God is doing, I know I will be abundantly and bountifully blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Well, praise the Lord. How many are living on the fringes and not living in the fulfillment? How many are living on the periphery and not living in the promise? How many are living at the border east? Where they can see, but not enjoy, versus living in the abundance of others that were determined that they were going to go west to the destiny God had for them. I'm talking to two great graduates who to this moment have enjoyed great success in God's favor. I'm preaching to great Young people and young adults, and I'm shouting aloud to everyone in the house and everyone and anyone watching from home. Press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Do not stop short. Do not settle east. May your days end up with you hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. May your ears, may your days end up with you, with you hearing, well done, and may your days end up with you saying, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Don't allow anyone or anything to deter you from God's perfect will, your appointed destiny. Five hundred and seventy years later, put up Second Kings if you would. It may be difficult for you to see it clearly, but let me read it to you. It was 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. This is what it says. In those days, the Lord began to cut Israel short. And Hazael, which was the king of Assyria, smote them at all the coast of Israel from Jordan eastward. All the land of Gilead. Listen to the specific names. The Gadites, the Reubenites, and the Manassites. Two and a half tribes settled east. And in generations to come, 
It would lead to the annihilation of their legacy. Let me share two things with you to close. You choose to settle east when God has called you west. It will wreak havoc to disappointment, to disillusionment, and sometimes to even destruction as it happened to these tribes. You choose to settle east instead of going after everything God has for you. Some 14 generations later, the choice to stay east came back to have such dramatic and devastating effects upon their posterity. No detractors. I challenge you. No detractors. No deterrence. No dissuaders. It's close and personal here today for me. I was a youth pastor for almost five years. Two years ago, if some of you recall, we, my wife and I made a trip to Hampton Roads and had a 25-year reunion with young people that we had had the privilege of pastoring. This past Monday, one of them young men was found deceased in his apartment in New York, 47 years old. He was such a key part of mine and Sanders' youth ministry. Single dad had a, has a daughter 11 years old, and this week, when we get the word, we will travel to Hampton Roads to say farewell. Five years plus, we poured in to his life. family and they may very well be watching me their last name is England Bob and Betty England and very very close friends of my mother and father in fact mom would tell you Betty's like a daughter to her sons Wesley and Steve and their families Just this morning, I was asking the question, I wonder if Tim, at 47 years old, fulfilled his destiny. I wonder if he went west to everything God had for him, or did he settle east? You wonder what is the last thing that is on a person's mind or heart when they come to that moment of transition from here to eternity. I was so blessed when the family sent this to me this week. What his very last text was. It was a t-shirt. I don't know if he just wore it often or if he just got it. But that's what the front of the t-shirt said.
that picture of a t-shirt would be the last thing his mother and father would see from their oldest son. There have been times, I'll be honest with you, Luke, Jaden, there's been times that I have, because of my own choices, I've settled east. There's been times that I've taken some whippings over it too. I'm so glad that God is a God of grace and mercy. I'm looking out at people, no doubt, you knew you should have kept pressing. Even though you didn't know if he was going to open the Jordan River or not, you should have kept pressing and trusting him. But you settled. You settled for second best. But for every person in the room, God has a plan. Want to be wonderful? Brother Joe, wouldn't it be wonderful to stand before him one day and say, Lord, only because of your grace and mercy and, and my determination and resolve, <laughs> I did fight the good fight of faith. I did finish the course that you created me for and you created for me. And I have kept the faith. The Lord will say, yes, you did. Come close, my son, because there's a crown of righteousness that I want to place on your head. I'm going to ask if you all will indulge me. If Luke, you'll come down here. and Jaden, you'll come over here. Both sides. We're going to just have prayer for you. I'm going to ask the congregation to stand. I'm going to ask Joshua and Tasha and Jeremy to come. I'm going to ask the parents, the family to flank in behind you. Obviously, we're trying to keep that whole social distancing thing going on. But Luke and Jaden, I, I would normally have a, a convolute of people around you laying hands on you. I'd normally slap some oil on your forehead because that's what the Bible tells me to do. We're going to pray for you, though. And I'm going to ask you to stretch your hand this direction. As we pray for these young people. Lord, it's a great day. It's a great day to celebrate such a significant milestone. I appreciate this young man. I appreciate the courtesy. I appreciate the manners in which he functions and the way he carries himself. Thank you for his athleticism, his academia. And Lord, today there's something that's so much greater. And that is the destiny that you have for his life. This time may be more questions than there is answers, but you are faithful. And in the spirit realm, I challenge him to go west, young man. Fulfill the destiny. Don't settle east of the Jordan. When God has called you to the promised land of his abundance, his provision, his presence. Thank you, Jesus. 
Lord, today we, we pray for Jaden. Thank you for keeping your hand upon her over these last 13 years, helping her in the toughest times. When challenges arose that seemed insurmountable, God, your favor was there, and you helped her through. We celebrate her today and all that God has done. But Lord, today I challenge her to go west, young woman. Don't settle east of the Jordan. Oh, it may look lush. It may be some great pasture land for your, for your cattle, for your goods. But the word of the Lord to you today is to go. Press on through. There may be some obstacles. There may be some mountains that God has to move out of the way. There may be some Jordan rivers that he has to open. But in the name of Jesus, go to the abundance, to the bounty, to the provision, the presence, and the purposes of God. God will favor you in a great way, more than you could ever dream. I want every heart in this house, if this message has resonated with you this morning, I want you to lift your hands to the Lord, both hands to heaven, would you right now? And beg God right now, Lord, don't let me settle east when you've called me west. <laughs> I've blown it many, many times, God, and I'm sorry. There's been times I've had to do some heavy repenting. But Lord, as we lift our hands in your presence today, the hands that worship you right now are our hands of surrender. And I'm asking you, Lord, to take us west. We don't want to be Reuben, Gad, or Manasseh in the room. We want to be part of those nine and a half tribes that said, you know what, you can settle here if you want to. But I've heard there's a land that's flowing with milk and honey. I hear there's a land where the grapes are so big, you have to carry them on your shoulder. I hear that, yes, there's giants in the land, but my God is greater. My God has told me he'll send hornets ahead of me to drive out the inhabitants of the land, the obstacles that come against us. You're the God that opens Jordan rivers, and you're the God that flips mountains into the sea. And we're determined that we're going on, not just as individuals, not just as families, but as a church. There's a lot of deterrents that have arisen in 2020 that not only try to stop us as Christians, but try to stop us as a church. But we are determined to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We will go west. We will strike it rich in the abundance of God's grace and goodness and mercy. We will stay the course. We will fight for the faith. I wish somebody would just take a moment and give the Lord some praise. Would you do that right now? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Make sure today to celebrate Give your expressions to Luke and Jaden. We're so proud of them. God bless you. We're glad to see you in the house of the Lord. We love you folks online. We'll see you next time.